Today is a very special episode of I Hate Wrestling. It's a WrestleMania special, a quarantine special, and a deconstruction of pro wrestling as an art form special. It's living status quo John Cena taking on swamp cultist turned demonic children show host Bray Wyatt. But it's less a match than it is a short film exploring two decades worth of John Cena's fears and insecurities that has the potential to revolutionize pro wrestling as we know it. Today on I Hate Wrestling, it's the Firefly Funhouse match. Bray New World. No, not too shabby at all. Not not that there's anything wrong with with shabbiness. Shabby can be <laughs> shabby can be Good point. chic. I'm too quick to to to, to, to <laughs> play shabbiness. It's very you know a Dick Van Dyke shabbiness could be very nice. <laughs> Listen, I didn't invite you uh, back on the show so you could shit talk the abstract concept of shabbiness. <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. <laughs> But uh, to that point, uh, Dan, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very, very excited for this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. And uh, let's just get get this out of the way immediately. We are going to talk about the Firefly Funhouse match, which is a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> Last time you were on, we talked about The Undertaker, and he was sort of, you know, peripherally... Well, I don't know. He, I would say more than peripherally related to to the concept of of horror, right? He's like, and he's totally, an actively yeah. actively spooky character. But oh, definitely, definitely. But he's a he's a horror character in the context of professional wrestling, and what we're doing today is sort of inverting that in a little bit. You know, he's sort of he's taking pro wrestling into the realm of horror as opposed to vice, you know, instead of vice versa. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It makes complete sense. And I actually, I completely agree with you, even with the promos that you sent me and what he said when he was challenging, uh, John Cena to the match at WrestleMania, he said, you're coming into my world. I think that's a really good way to put it. It's the world of horror. He's going into that. Right. And that's the, you know, the, the horror of the undertaker is here's this, otherworldly being who we are seeing in a uh, in a routine context, right? It's the horror uh-huh, uh-huh. of the of the unreal invading the recognizable world. Yeah, totally, and clashing with that. Right, and this is the opposite because we are, you know, Bray Wyatt is threatening to drag us into his world. It's a completely different oh, yeah. kind of horror to the sort of surface level horror that we get with The Undertaker. And I'm really excited to to explore it. Um, oh, me too. Me too. So we talked about Bray Wyatt a tiny bit last time. And you said you had a little bit of knowledge about Bray Wyatt. What all did you know about, about Bray Wyatt and his history before we, we sort of jumped into this, this uh, storyline right here? Hmm. Well, I, so here's basically what I know. Um, 
I I kind of he was sort of on my radar actually years ago with that uh, the promo that you sent me. A couple friends were talking to me about him uh, sending me some of his promos where he was in like dark rooms doing really scary promos, but he was still Bray. He was still Bray. And what I remember people telling me about him is like he's good. Like his promos are good, but like it just he, when it comes down to it, they don't do a whole lot with him. Like. It, the WWE, they, it just does. It kind of ends up falling flat a little bit, and he's just—it feels like he's still looking for his thing. I was like, okay, well, you know, and that was how I knew him for a while, up until the introduction of the Fiend. Which, as soon as this happened, I had a bunch of friends tell me, "You got to check this out, man! Like, this is it! Like, this is what you've been waiting for." And uh, they showed me the Firefly Funhouse. They saw a couple of them. I haven't seen all of them, but they showed me a couple of them, and I was blown away. I was like, yes, this is this looks like Bray in his element. And uh, I saw highlights of, jeez, um, he had a, I want to say a cage match, was it, a while ago, a few months ago, last year, was oh, it? Oh, with Seth Rollins. Yeah, Where, yeah, yeah. That was the last I heard about it. Yeah, so to, to, to rewind a little bit, Bray Wyatt originally came into WWE as this character called Husky Harris. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna rewind it a little bit further back than even this this uh, this story goes. Bray Wyatt, first of all, is a sec- he's a second generation wrestler. His father was IRS, the wrestling tax oh, man. Oh wow. <laughs> who was who was friends with the million dollar man Ted DiBiase? That was his dad. Oh, Ted DiBiase! Oh my God! Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so he was the son of the, the son of IRS, the rex, the wrestling tax man, and they bring him in as Husky Harris, and everybody knows that Husky Harris is. Name. Yeah, I know. Everybody knows who he is. They know he's the son of this. You know, uh, IRS is a fondly remembered character. I wouldn't say he's a legend by any means. Like he was around when Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage were around, but he wasn't at their level by any means. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So he's a, he's a well-known figure. So I guess they figured Husky Harris isn't, you know, he doesn't really have a lot in common with his dad as far as, you know, physical attributes or wrestling style. So they're like, we're just going to, we're just going to break. We're going to call him a different thing. And they call him Husky Harris. And the whole character they give him is the army tank with the Ferrari engine. And the idea is, what? Yeah. (laughs) The idea is he's a, he's a, he's a chunky guy, but he moves really well. And that's kind of all they have for Husky Harris. that's, Wowzers! I'm astonished. That is really funny. What was the phrase again? The army tank with a Ferrari engine. That's right. Yeah. And of course, wow. the wow. And you know the idea that hey, here's a guy who is supposed to be physically unimposing, moves really well, and the whole thing is like, oh wow, this is surprising. That on its yeah. on its face is not great, but also the conceit that he's the the army tank with the Ferrari engine is a comedy in and of itself because a Ferrari engine could not move an army tank. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know what I? <laughs> you're right. 
you're right. And uh, it doesn't check out. <laughs> and the name maybe is a little bit prophetic because Husky Harris goes nowhere. Uh. Husky Harris is around for a couple of months. He disappears. They send him back to developmental to come up with another character. And the character that he comes up with is Bray Wyatt. And this is the original uh, Cape Fear-esque character with the the Hawaiian shirts and the soft-spoken, creepy interviews. And they give him this backwoods, Louisiana vibe. They give him these, these guys, the Wyatt family who are his, uh, his disciples, his brothers, his sons. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's got, uh, he's got Eric Rowan and Luke Harper who are his, uh, his, his disciples. They're both these enormous bearded guys and they, you know, they debut (laughs) on, uh, on WWE and they are tearing shit up. They are phenomenal. They're doing, uh, you know, they're lighting the world on fire and people are into oh, Bray wow. Wyatt. Yeah. And people love Bray Wyatt. People are completely uh, sold on this character. And what happens is after less than a year of being in WWE as mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt, he winds up at WrestleMania 30 taking on John Cena. Wait, so it was that quick? I, I did not realize it was that quick that he was... He had to, wow, wow. I, I had no awareness of that. Yeah, so it's an incredibly quick rise to prominence. And, uh, you know, a lot of people... And we're going to get into, aside from Bray Wyatt and aside from John Cena, we're going to get into a lot of meta-commentary of WWE and how they... Uh, you know, how they book their characters and how they write their stories and how they form their whole fictional universe. But Oh, I love it, yes. But no matter how you slice it, to have a character debut and in less than a year be wrestling John Cena at WrestleMania is pretty crazy. It's That's am- impressive. That's pretty astonishing. That's very impressive. It's a meteoric rise. And a lot of people would say... Very much so. A lot of people would say that no matter... What, you know, no matter what happens, you know, Bray Wyatt is going to, quote unquote, get the rub from working with John Cena, right? He's going to look like a star because he's wrestling John Cena. And, you know, another Undertaker parallel, The Undertaker debuted at Survivor Series 1991 and at Survivor Series 1992 defeated Hulk Hogan to win the world championship. So it's that kind of, that's that's a lot. Yeah. It's that kind of, you know, rapid, uh, you know, meteoric rise. So, so yet another point of parallel between, uh, Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, which is something that I feel like I hear a lot in general. Yeah. Yeah. There's, they're definitely, uh, parallel stories, I think. So Hmm. one of the homeworks that I sent you deals with, the yeah. the lead up to the first Bray Wyatt John Cena match. Yeah. And it's the the idea of John Cena's legacy. Yeah, 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 that's right. 
and, and that brain wants to destroy it. That he's like the John said he's, he's the type of guy he just wants to tear it all down. Right, and Bray Wyatt's perspective is a little bit different. He's not saying he wants to destroy John Cena's legacy. He wants to affect a change in John Cena. He wants oh. to, he wants to show John Cena is the status quo made flesh and stuck into jean shorts. Right, he is business as usual. <laughs> He's business as usual. The wrestler. Yeah, yeah, and I even saw some signs in that promo that were pretty, like, of angry fans. Like, And I remember hearing about stuff like this, that he was just such a sure thing to win every single time. Signs, it was like, what we want, if Cena wins, we riot? Like, yo! Right. <laughs> but I know there was there was a lot of unrest. I, 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 I definitely get it. Right, and this is... Um, John Cena is a complicated character, and believe me, we're going to get into that. Um, but I guess we should talk about the John Cena, uh, the John Cena homework, right? The one that's sort of WWE's official statement on John Cena's legacy. They are super complimentary of this guy. Very, very much so. Yeah, totally. It was like a total, like, he inspires people. He makes us believe. Right. He's <laughs> a true hero, an American icon. Exactly. Right, they are laying it on thick. To to listen to WWE tell it, John Cena is Superman and Rocky and Babe Ruth and Hulk Hogan all rolled into one guy. And he's Oh yeah, yeah. And he's faultless and he's handsome and he's smart and he's caring and there's just He's the full package. He's he's he's, he's all of it. He's their golden golden boy. Right, right. And on one hand, it's true. I don't know that they've ever had a guy as suited to being their top guy than John Cena. You know, uh, he's got the, I mean, apart from, apart from having the look and apart from having the skill, what he has is the patience and the stamina to be the face of a company like this. He can, he has That's the, a great point, yeah. He has yeah. the energy to be on the road seven days a week and to do Good Morning America and to do whatever local radio promos you need him to do and to be on the red carpet and to... And the Make-A-Wish stuff that I've heard so much about. I mean, like, that in itself is, like, enormous. Like, he's always there. All-time world record holder for Make-A-Wish. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. And so John Cena, in terms of being like the Swiss army man that you need for this role, he's it. Right. And they are, I mean, if you look at, if you look at Hulk Hogan, uh, Hulk Hogan is probably the closest analog to John Cena in terms of his Mm -hmm. length on top from 83 to 93, Hulk Hogan did the John Cena thing or John Cena did the Hulk Hogan thing. Right. But (laughs) yeah, by 93, Hulk Hogan had, uh, had burned out and left the company. So that's 10 years. Um, 10 years, yeah. The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, despite the fact that they were on top during the period when wrestling was hottest in the late 90s, they had maybe five years because Steve Austin had to retire due to injuries and The Rock went on to Hollywood. But Whoa, I guess I never thought that it was so... Sure, technically, I got, but I guess that's true. Yeah, when you really put it, it was about five years, I guess. Wow. Yeah, yeah John, uh, 
Steve Austin comes in in 96. He's retired by 2002. And The Rock comes in in 97. And his last full-time year is 2003. And he makes a couple return engagements. But he's never a full-time wrestler again. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Cena, meanwhile, has been in WWE full-time since 2002. So, Jeez. and until like a year and a half ago, he was full time, and he was from <laughs> from. Two, I, I don't think I ever thought about just how long that is. No, he is just about the longest tenured top star they've ever had, or that any uh, wrestling promotion has ever had. He has been the anchor Sheesh. of this company for really an unprecedented amount of time, and. As far as his performance, his he's gotten better. His wrestling has gotten better. Um, it's kind of unprecedented, unheard of. Uh, you can't say that about everybody. To be a, to be completely fair. No, I mean to me, if you, if you were to ask me, who is like when he was at his best, who's the best professional wrestler of all time? I would probably say Macho Man Randy Savage, just because I think oh, he, yeah he's the platonic ideal of the professional wrestler. Like. <laughs> What a good way to put it. That's completely true. He really, he really was. Absolutely. If you look at, like, if you ask non-wrestling people to draw a wrestler, they're going to draw Randy Savage. You know, the the sunglasses and the beard and the tassels and just... Even the, the way he talked. I mean, everything. Right. That uh, no one uh, like... Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Just <laughs> a, a 100% evocative no. image. So... <laughs> the oh man the tr- the true the sad truth of Randy Savage is even though his peak years from like eighty four to eighty nine he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, by the nineties he had slowed down significantly, so he's still great. He's still great as a character, but he was not at his peak. He was mm-hmm. a uh, I don't want to say a shadow of himself, but certainly a lesser version of himself and. Hulk Hogan's the sure. same way, and it's incredibly rare that a wrestler just keeps getting better as they age. Um, John Cena did it, Shawn Michaels did it, but it's rare. It's uh, it requires Shawn people... Michaels. Good example. I, I totally agree. Actually, yeah. And Shawn Michaels had the you know also retired from '98 to 2003 and came back, and you know, had to kind of create a whole new style for himself. So it takes a lot of inventiveness and a lot of, uh, a lot of willingness to, uh, to experiment on what has worked in the past. I mean, Hulk Hogan's a perfect example of somebody who found a formula and stuck to it despite (laughs) diminishing returns over the years. You know, continuously diminishing returns. He still tweets the way he talks on Twitter. Right. But his matches were always the same. You'd never get something new from Hulk Hogan. But John Cena, every couple of years, changes up his moveset. He's always doing new things. You know, despite the fact that he's always looks the same. His, uh, you know, always the jean shorts, always the neon t-shirts, always the ball caps. But... His in-ring work has continuously evolved, and he's gotten, you know, substantially better over the years. But what hasn't changed about John Cena 
is his his primacy. The fact that um, did you ever see the Simpsons episode with Poochie? <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Um, and and Homer writes the the you know essentially the Bible for Poochie, and he's like, when Poochie isn't on screen, all the other characters should ask, "Where's Poochie?" Where's Poochie? Yes. So John Cena is kind of the Poochie. You know what I mean? He is. Oh man, yeah. And he's he's the focus of things. Uh, CM Punk. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh yeah, totally. He shows up in a lot of horror movies. I love. And, oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, he just yeah. he just uh, starred in one. I think last year. Yeah, it's actually really good. I definitely yeah. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so CM Punk for years um, felt that he's a completely different type of wrestler than John Cena, but for a long time was as hot as John Cena. And a lot of people thought it was time for John Cena to sort of step aside and let CM Punk run with the ball for a while. Oh, and C- oh, okay. I, I feel like I'm recalling a little bit of this. Is Was there a lot of bitterness over this? Because I feel like I remember people being really bad. Yeah. So what ultimately happens is, and I did, a, I did a whole episode about this. Um, it's called hostile territory and it's about, uh, CM Punk oh. and uh, CM Punk and John Cena having a match for the WWE Championship in CM Punk's hometown of Chicago, with uh, in, and hanging over the proceedings is the idea that CM Punk has not resigned his WWE contract, and if he defeats John Cena, he will leave WWE with their top title, with no guarantee that he'll come back to defend it. Oh. So it's CM Punk sort of, you know, we talked about John Cena as being this stand-in for the status quo. Here's CM Punk being a stand-in, you know, he's an existential threat to WWE. He's threatening to take the context, the title that everyone's fighting over, he's threatening to take it and leave. And take it to a place where no one can come yeah, get I'm it from him. Yeah, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. Right. He's going to take your ball and go home. Now you can't even play. Yeah, that's true. That is more accurate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so CM Punk winds up defeating John Cena. He flees into the Chicago night with the WWE Championship. Um, oh, shit. John Cena, you know, WWE decides, okay, well, uh, CM Punk is gone, so we're going to have a, a tournament to crown a new champion. John Cena winds up, well, actually, no. Rey Mysterio wins that tournament wins the championship and then oh. John Cena just appears out of nowhere, challenges Ray and beats him on the same night to win the championship and then CM Punk returns and they sort of have this ultimate match who's the real champion. CM Punk wow. CM Punk wins that and then for over 400 days he's the WWE champion. But and it's a big but. CM Punk <laughs> is still not Poochie. CM Punk ah. CM Punk is defending the WWE Championship on the second to last match. Meanwhile, the last match is always whatever John Cena's doing. Oh man. So ah. ultimately, CM Punk winds up quitting wrestling out of frustration because he feels like they're just I can't get the carrot. You know? 
no matter what, no matter how many brass rings I grasp, you know, the idea was, okay, well, John Cena sells the most merch, so we have to focus on John Cena. CM Punk becomes the number one merch seller. Still, John Cena's the focus. CM Punk wins the world title. Still, John Cena's the main event. So... Wow, that's a huge bummer. That really, I can completely understand why he was disillusioned after that. Right. So, CM Punk leaves, and John Cena continues. He just kind of picks up where he left off, wins the title again, and we keep moving forward. And this is the frustration that Bray Wyatt is speaking to. This is the, if Cena wins, we riot mentality, right? Because people are sick of the status quo. No matter how good he is in this role, sometimes the fans want to see something different. The fans don't necessarily care that he's so good at doing Make-A-Wish. Like, it's, okay. You're right, you're right. It's great that he's doing Make-A-Wish. It's great that he can do all these media appearances. It's great that you can put him on any talk show and he'll kill it. It's great that he has crossover appeal, that you could put him on Dancing with the Stars or whatever. But we're here to watch the wrestling show, and we're tired of him being the star of the wrestling show. We would like, or yeah. or we would just like him to change in some way. We would like yeah. him to come out of one of these, you know, this career-defining rivalry with CM Punk. It sucks that John Cena is exactly the same on the other side of that rivalry. You know, he didn't learn anything. Yeah, that's a really good point. He didn't learn anything. The character, it's a flat arc. The character did not learn anything. And the, the character never learns anything. He he changes up his moveset, but as far as his attitude, like, you can beat John Cena, but he doesn't really sell it. You know? He's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll get him next time. And it's like, that's such a frustrating... It's such a frustrating point of view for your main character to have. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, other than, like, the element of just predictability, just in terms of, like, a story, yeah, it just really is, like you said, there's just not really a character arc there, uh, and, which is why it was surprising to me when you said that, like, his moveset has changed, like, over the years. I guess as someone, like, observing from mostly the outside, I wasn't aware of that, and I always saw him as such a static character, but it's, it's so, I guess that's just how... You know, there are layers to it. I mean, yeah, he's working hard as a rattler, but yeah, to see that, I can completely understand being disappointed time and again and wanting change. Yeah. And what happens is John Cena gets into this pattern where a hot new star will face him and the idea is, oh, wow, this guy's getting to wrestle John Cena. But then Cena defeats them in such a way that when the story is over, they haven't gained anything from it. Oh, so this is what you were talking about earlier with like the, what do you call it? Rub. Yes. Like he's going to get a little bit of rub from being, you know, and like, so I guess that was the expectation to loop back around with, uh, you know, Ray, you know, fighting in there. He's got this meteoric scent. Maybe it's just going to continue after this match with Cena. Did it work out that way or was it like all the others? No, um, it was like all the others. Um, it was like oh, all, man. it was like all the others, um, and there's a specific moment, a specific moment that is particularly damaging to Bray's character. So, oh. as you could see in the lead up to the first Cena match, 
he's saying there's a monster in you, John. You need to let it out. You need to embrace it. I'm going to take the. Mo- I'm going to bring the monster out of you. He's yeah, yeah. He's insinuating that um, there's something malicious inside John Cena that he's hiding under this family-friendly exterior. Hmm. So John Cena, in as you can see in that uh, in that video, he is showing that he's a little bit put off by Bray. He is a little bit freaked out by Bray. He seems to be off his he game. Say he's scared. He literally does say he's scared. Yeah, and he's like, but I'm, I'm just going to keep fighting, and I'm just going to keep fighting. So they have the match. Bray has the chance to beat Cena, but he doesn't. Instead, he pulls out a steel chair. He hands it to John Cena, drops to his knees, and throws his arms out to his sides, imploring John Cena to hit him. He's brought John Cena to a dark place, to a to his limit. He feels that John Cena is ready to break. So rather than going for the win, he puts John Cena in this position where Give in to your give in to your your aggression. Give in to your hatred. Give in to your fear. He wants to just affect a change in Cena. So Interesting. Cena, Cena stands there with the chair. He stares at the chair. It's like he's thinking about hitting Bray with the chair. But then, like always, Cena neglects to develop or change as a character. He throws the chair to the outside. And he def- he goes on to defeat Bray clean. Oh man, just like that? Just, I mean, j- just like that. Yeah, that's very underwhelming. For like, very underwhelming. Right. You set up this idea that there's something inside John Cena that is going to break, and then John Cena, you know, at the moment of truth, is like. Actually, no, it's not going to break. It's fine. Everything's fine. So, yeah, they just totally back away from it. And then, but it sucks too because it sucks because then Bray gains nothing from it too as well. Just, yeah, I totally see what you mean. Right. So that is the moment when Bray sort of starts spiraling. He had that one oh, hot yeah. year. And then after that, it's just never the same. Because he he failed. He failed explicitly and spectacularly yeah. in the biggest yeah. spotlight you could have. And then John Cena goes on to just continue doing whatever he was doing. Yeah, it's just, it's the same for him. It's, it's exactly the same. Right. So, Bray Wyatt, uh, the, the Wyatt family breaks up, they get back together, he forms a tag team with Matt Hardy, it's a whole thing. Oh. He disappears for a while, and... He'll he does Bray Wyatt in 2017 does win the WWE title in a like a random six man match, but then he loses it a couple of months later to Randy Orton, and then Randy Orton, infil- oh what Randy infiltrates his cult and burns down his spooky swamp cabin, and it's a whole thing, and they it's actually one of the most. Uh, infamous bad matches that they've ever done. The, uh, um, oh. the House of Horrors match. Oh, I'm not familiar with it. It's like, uh, 
it's Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, and it's lip service spooky. It's like Haunted Hayride spooky. It's like, it's cinematic, like the one we're going to watch today is, but it's bad. It's like Bray Wyatt, like, is like, you know, Randy Orton sees a kerosene lantern in the window, so he goes in and there's like doll heads hanging from the ceiling, but then Bray Wyatt just shows up and punches him, and Randy winds up burning the house down. (laughs) It's like, it's not real horror. It's... Yeah, yeah. It's Halloween Town horror, you know? It's just sort of wallpapering horror. Yeah, yeah, I totally see that. So Bray Wyatt eventually goes away. And he comes back as the Fiend. And the Fiend is such a different character. So the the Fiend and Bray Wyatt, they kind of have a... uh, a Mankind Mick Foley thing going on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where Bray Wyatt... It used to be... There was Bray Wyatt, who's the spooky, you know, spooky swamp guy, and he would talk about Sister Abigail, who was this unseen spirit advisor that he had. And that was about it. Mm. Now you have... Okay. A whole bunch of other personalities. You've got Bray Wyatt, who is a completely different... He looks completely different. He's wearing a sweater. He's dressed like Mr. Rogers. That's right. He's also lost a ton of weight and put on a bunch of muscle, which we can we can get to that in a second when we talk about the muscle man dance. Right. The work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's a completely different character. It's a completely different silhouette. He's much more physically imposing. But he's not outwardly sinister. He's very chipper. And he is right. conducting business from the Firefly Funhouse, which is like this weird puzzle place-esque children's show where he hangs out with puppets and teaches them important life lessons. But at the end of every one of these skits, his voice drops a little bit and he talks yeah. about the fiend in the third person. Yeah. The fiend is his alter ego i suppose this personality that he has come up with and externalized it's almost like he's split himself in half there's the friendly personable charismatic bray wyatt and then there's the fiend which is where all of the hatred and aggression lies Oh, so this kind of, the way you're describing it makes it sound like what he was alluding to in that match against Cena at WrestleMania 30. Right, he's he's brought the monster out of himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And The Fiend is a completely, like, people loved Bray Wyatt to begin with, but The Fiend is... All that and then some. He is destroying people spectacularly. Seth Rollins had won the the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 35. And within a couple of months, The Fiend has won it from him. He's again on this meteoric rise. We're not going to really talk about the weird loss that he had to Goldberg. <laughs> oh, man. What? <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> he he lost. He won the universal title and then lost it to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. We're just gonna we're just gonna chalk that up to a weird hallucination that we all had. 
I, I love that idea. Yes, it is a mass hallucination. Let, let's I, I refuse to accept anything else. And that's pretty much what, what it feels like at this point because, you know, that felt like another one of these times when WWE was going to drop the ball on Bray Wyatt. Even though he was doing fantastic work and was getting a phenomenal response, management was like, no, we don't get it. We're going to make him do something stupid to destroy his momentum. But Yeah, as tends to happen, yeah. And by the time this match is over, I think it's safe to say that we're finally going all in on Bray Wyatt. At least I hope. But before we uh, we jump into Bray Wyatt, and we or sorry, before we jump into the Firefly Funhouse match itself, I do want to talk about the one episode of Firefly Funhouse that I sent you as homework, which is. The Muscle Man Dance. Yes, yes, the Muscle Man Dance. Yeah. So, what what did you think about the Muscle Man Dance? What what what? <laughs> uh, what did I think? Well, the thing is, I, I mean, so first of all, one of the things about Bray is that he really does sell you. You nailed it by calling it like Mister Rogers esque. And also, this set reminds me of Blues Clues in like this yes. weird way. But but the thing about like the the one that you sent me, the muscle man dance, it was so interesting because for two reasons. One, uh, now that you commented on it from the perspective of just like saying let Bray, like he gained all this muscle mass and stuff like that. Now I see the character that he was talking to as like a representation of him, kind of like the challenge promo that you sent me where he was talking to his past self. And he's like, you had your chance, this and that. It seems like that promo was him being like, Oh, listen, you're going to like get better. You could do it. I believe in you. And then the Vince McMahon puppet comes in. And yes. that was really like a, a, I was like, wow, this is very, very, <laughs> it's taking all of it. And then the absurd workout itself, which went on for just long enough, <laughs> just long enough. It was fantastic. But it always ends with that sinister, like, like you said, like his voice drops the smile disappears temporarily. And I want to think if I can remember what he said. It's like the whole thing is so goofy and funny. And I remember thinking like, wow, like this is both like a commentary, maybe on like his thing, but it's also like so funny. But then at the end, he always says, let him what in. What is it? Just remember, let him in. Exactly. And this, the, it, it's so chilling. Like it really is so effective. Like as a complete 180 from the tone, the rest of everything that's going on, you could feel something sinister lurking underneath the surface for a lot of the Firefly Funhouse stuff, which is what I love about it. And then when he lets kind of the proverbial mask drop in those last moments, ooh, I love it. It's yeah. so good. But it's so interesting the way it connects to his his art as a character himself in the WWE. I hadn't thought about that until you gave me a bit of the context. Oh yeah, sure. The, uh, the, the pig puppet. Did you catch his name? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was the name? It's Huskus the pig boy. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's it. My mind is blown. That's my God. He's, he is his own insecure Husky Harris era personality unreal wow that's great and then you know there's a lot of theories about who all the other aspects of his personality or his history all the other puppets represent 
Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was going to ask you because there, it really does seem, especially the one with the weird, like the eyes, the rolling eyeballs, is like so, like the dark voice in that one seems oh, like uh, Sister Abigail. Is that Sister Abigail? Yeah. Oh, okay. With it's the veil, right? Yes, yes. It's all falling into place for me now. So that's that's Sister Abigail. Um, there's Mercy the Buzzard, who is another aspect of his cult era. He always mm. said, "Follow the buzzards." Um, and then, <laughs> cool. And then there's a uh, uh, Ramblin' Rabbit. Who? Yes, is, yes. Who's the weird, uh, ugly, cute little friendly rabbit? I've seen some people suggest this might be Bray's inner child. If that's true, quite unfortunate what happens in that John Cena <laughs> oh, you mean, challenge promo. You mean how he's challenging John Cena to a match at WrestleMania and makes uh, makes a protein shake out of desperation, self-loathing? <laughs> Yes. And uh, and hatred and then places his own inner child into the blender and grinds it up. Yep. <laughs> it's so like, oh, it looks so gross to drink, too. It's like <laughs> it's like red and and you, you have to imagine if is what he's doing, trying to make himself the quote-unquote muscle man, the muscle man that, uh, that Mr. McBoss man, the, uh, the Vince oh, McMahon puppet wants. Mr. McBoss man. <laughs> oh That's incredible. But yeah, you're right. Is he trying to be that? Is he channeling that? Trying to not only bring out the inner darkness, but also be that slim or whatever, the perfect figure, the perfect wrestler that he's going to be to bring out to be different than he was before. So that is kind of the lead up to this. Um, I, I hesitate to call it uh, to call it a match. It's a short film. It's bizarre. I love it very much. Did you have any other any other thoughts or questions about the um, the lead up to this? Um, I mean, I think, was there any other context in terms of, or was it, it seems like the, the date on the video that you sent me of the, him challenging him, that was, that seems like it was fairly recently. Was there any more of a feud or a rivalry between the two of them going into this match other than their previous clash? No. So. Oh, wow. So. Essentially, Bray Wyatt was the universal champion. He lost that match to Goldberg like a month ago. And then it was like, well, what are we doing with Bray Wyatt? Then they announced that John Cena was returning for WrestleMania. And he showed up and was challenged sort of out of the blue by Bray Wyatt. And John Cena came back to WWE for the first time in over a year. And gave this speech about how, while he would love to return for WrestleMania... He's realized that his time has now passed and he doesn't want to take a spot from somebody else at WrestleMania who deserves it. So um, he just wants to thank the fans for always supporting him and he loves us and, you know, we're the most important thing. And as he appears and, you know, as he's about to leave, that's when the Fiend shows up and challenges him. Oh, 
incredible. Wow. So, I love it. John Cena, in a way, he's seeming he seems to be being humble and saying he doesn't want to take a spot from somebody else. But at the same time, if you're looking at this from a more cynical perspective, you know, if he really does want to hang up the boots and not wrestle anymore, the most selfish thing he could do is not leave on his back. Oh, that's a very, very good point, yes. And uh, and of who else but John Cena would try to retire without giving the rub to somebody else on the way out? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. From Bray Wyatt's perspective, from Bray Wyatt's perspective, it's more of the same from John Cena. It's John Cena looking out for himself. It's John Cena not... Um, it's much like it was at WrestleMania 30. Bray Wyatt had the chance to make his whole career and John Cena politely declined to help. And yeah, here yeah. it is six years later, John Cena has the opportunity to work with somebody else who needs an opportunity and is again declining to do so. He's not doing it. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's, I think, why The Fiend appears to challenge him. He's not going to let John Cena get away unchallenged and unchanged. He's not going to get to leave this 20-year career exactly the same as when he started it. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. He's not going to be allowed to do that. And that's sort of The Fiend's perspective, I think. That Well, I, I can see that perspective, too. I mean, and especially just like as redemption for Bray, you know, in that, in that sense, yeah. And not just for Bray, but for CM Punk and for... Uh, mm, yeah. And for Kevin Owens and for Rusev and for all these other, um, you know, I don't want to call them lesser lights, but certainly guys who would have been a bigger deal had they been allowed to beat John Cena when they wrestled John Cena. For the last yeah. couple of years, his whole thing was having these great epic matches with his sort of increased technical skill over the last few years. He's been giving these fantastic matches, these epic matches, to these young up-and-coming guys, but then still beating them. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, he still wins. Yeah. And then disappearing to film Blockers or Bumblebee or whatever. So, <laughs> or like Daddy's Home too. Like, he's... Oh, no, wasn't he in that? Oh, he wasn't. God. And that's, that's sort of, I think, what Bray is is raging against this idea that Cena could like a vampire use the youthful energy and vigor of these younger performers to sort of sustain his own career and then disappear. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's the monster. Maybe it's a vampire. Maybe, maybe that's the monster. Yeah. <laughs> but I Fitting. think, I think so. But I think that's what that's what he means. That's there's something malicious. There's something malignant inside John Cena, which is not to say that John Cena is evil, which is not to say that John Cena is a no. literal monster. But there's just something inside of him that Cena desperately wants to keep inside of him and not let the world see. Right. And what what Bray wanted six years ago and what he wants to do in this in this match if it is a match 
is to finally drag that monster out, to drag out the parts of John Cena that he's kept hidden, the fears, the insecurities, the desperations, the yeah. the hatred. Once and for all. And just, just tear it out of him and make him confront, this is what you are. This is what you have felt. This is, is what it? you have done. And... No spoilers. He does a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. He does it in a uh, a as David Lynchian as I think pro wrestling can ever be. Oh damn! <laughs> this is pretty much what what we're about to to party down on. All right. I, I'm so psyched on it. Okay. So what uh what we are going to do because this uh this thing has dialogue and has uh, music that is uh, that is important and meaningful. Um, what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna we're gonna tag out briefly and we're gonna watch this and then we're gonna jump right back in um, to uh, to go over our our thoughts, our takeaways, our feelings on this uh, this truly one of a kind matchup. Right on. Okay. Yes. Perfect. And uh, we're going to do that now. Hey. Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh, my God, dude. Jeez. I... I feel like the announcer guy at the end. Like <laughs> where it's just like my head on my head. I'm just like, wow, wow. I they as far as I'm concerned, they nailed it, dude. That was sheesh. Where to even start? <sighs> I mean, it's a complete, complete and total deconstruction of John Cena the character and. John Cena, the the myth as perpetuated by WWE, right? It's yeah, it's a complete merciless takedown of their Very much so of their most beloved champion. It's so wild that they did this, and it wouldn't have worked if Cena wasn't so willing to commit either, which right. he very very much was. Like single flashback like he really got in the mind of the character you could see his face just kind of transitioning back to the old self I was so tickled by the return to early thugonomics Cena with the rhyming and everything I was like wow like good on you for I mean just wow it, it worked so well so we saw we saw four different I guess four different John Cena's in this and a couple of different Bray Wyatt's as well. So first we see, I guess we'll start from the beginning, right? The first thing we see is uh, modern day John Cena who sprints into an empty arena because this yep. year's WrestleMania had to be held in an empty arena because of, uh, you know, uh, certain reasons. Just reasons, yes. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go into that. Everyone's well aware. So, we all know. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so this year's WrestleMania was held in an empty arena. John Cena sprints out. He breaks out this this goofball grin on his face. And he says, well, welcome to... And he's about to say, welcome to WrestleMania. And then his, he gets spliced in with Vince McMahon from the iconic... Uh, the iconic opening of the very first WrestleMania. You see young Vince in a tuxedo. And that sh- this shows yeah. up in uh, video packages all the time of him saying, Welcome to WrestleMania! <laughs> and you... Yeah. You see... I think, to begin with, we're supposed to understand that the words that are coming out of John Cena's mouth are, in fact, Vince McMahon's words. Right? John uh, Cena yeah. is... Uh, if the Firefly Funhouse is about puppetry, this whole thing is about establishing John Cena as a puppet of Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As that scene when he enters the door, I think is a very pivotal part of that. Or the ruthless aggression. Right. Um, well, first he gets teleported into the Funhouse, and he's immediately out of his depth, because this is not... You know, he was expecting... The first... You know, the first type of wrestling horror we talked about where a spooky guy competes in a regular wrestling match and the fact that the tables have turned and he has no idea how to he's essentially in a nightmare he has no you know it has nightmare works on nightmare logic on dream logic you know you can't navigate that and for a character like john cena the fact that things aren't going the way they always go is an existential crisis right all he knows is the status quo yeah, he seems massively disoriented right from the beginning. And uh, Ramblin' Rabbit, who is apparently the friendliest puppet, the most childlike puppet, is like, right. hey, you looking for Bray, dude? Be careful. <laughs> I loved that. That was so good. <laughs> and he leaves the funhouse, and there's a sign on the door that says, Abandon all hope, ye who exit here. Yeah, yeah, I liked that play on it. So exit here, yeah. The idea that the funhouse is a safe space. Exactly, yeah. The funhouse seems to be the psychological framework that Bray Wyatt has constructed to understand the world. If things are safe inside the funhouse, he can use the funhouse to make sense of the outside world. But in the outside yeah. world, all bets are off. And yeah, yeah, and as they very much are about to be when he leaves. Right, so Cena leaves, and he, uh, he, we immediately get the return of ruthless aggression Cena. Well, actually, first I think it's the puppet, right? The uh, Mr. McBossman appears. Mr. McBossman, that's right. Yeah, he's the one who yelled at him about the ruthless aggression. Right. Do you, are you willing to do what it takes for this company? Are you willing to, you know... Are you willing to become my puppet? Are you willing to let my that's bizarre right. ideas of, of masculinity become your life's work? <sighs> yeah, yeah. And we see Cena stepping into that role. We see him come out in his... His debut attire. We saw this in the original John Cena retrospective that they put out. His debut against Kurt Angle, right? That's right. That's right. Where he comes out in his little bike shorts and he talks about <laughs> having ruthless aggression. Exactly. And he yeah yeah he goes for the he goes for the slap and 
it doesn't work. And he all he does is he keeps trying to slap Bray, but he can't he can't hit it. And all he can say is ruthless aggression because he's a puppet. He doesn't have all he has is this one line that he's been told to say and this yeah. one slap. He's not a fully formed character. Yeah, and so it's an end up working. It doesn't connect. Right, so doesn't it doesn't connect. Exactly right. And Bray Wyatt then tells him, uh, wow, this is embarrassing. And he's sort yeah. of he's sort of showing John his own husky Harris, right? This is him half baked, not ready to be in the position that he's been put in. And yeah. he says, Well, this is your this is your greatest shame. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. What was this, is this like regarded as like a, a bad match between them? I, I actually don't know about that. So it's not necessarily a bad match. It's just uh, it's just sort of you know it's like looking through uh, a middle school yearbook and finding your picture. You know, it's just your yeah, awkward face. Okay, I see. And you're just cringing at you like what you what you were, how far you've come makes that embarrassing to look back on. Right. So. That's where that's where we are, and then we go. Rather than forward, we go even further back, which I th- I was so surprised by. I thought we were going to go forward, yeah. but we instead go back. And we talked about earlier on the idea that John Cena was taking on the mantle of Hulk Hogan as the face of the company, yeah. and we actually go back to the eighties, and we create this fictional persona for John Cena as Johnny Largemeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who's this steroid monster. And we have Bray Wyatt in his muscle man dance attire. Yes. His yes, Zubaz exactly. and that his, was so great. And his headband. And he's doing his, like his best Randy Savage sort of it's like, Oh yeah, you won't believe how muscular my partner Johnny Largemeat is. And, Oh, totally. He's like Randy Savage is speaking through him in that moment. <laughs> yep, and and John is is essentially doing his Hulk Hogan, and he's like, "Well, you talk about WrestleMania, we're gonna go all night when the when the rubber hits the road," and he's just fucking going nuts with these uh, with these weights. Dude, the dumbbells, the way he just does them over and over so quickly, I was cracking up. And Bray Wyatt is like, he's like. You see this guy, and you can't help but worship those muscles. He's, like, laying it on really thick. And, of course, we cut to who else but Mr. McBossman watching exactly, on in approval. Exactly. So we're sort of now going into this idea that John Cena is not only a puppet, he's also being forced into the mold of, of Hulk Hogan. He's being forced to destroy and alter his own body. It's almost, yeah. it's almost like he's being, he feels this pressure to become, it's a, it's a kind of dysmorphia, right? He's just exercising and exercising and exercising and, and killing himself. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. To just, uh, to just get bigger and bigger and bigger because that's what Mr. McBossman wants. Yeah, exactly. I think that that moment of shouting out like that and pointing to Mr. McBossman as the obvious stand-in for Vince is so telling because I, you know... 
I, even I know that, like, it's so very clear that Vince, he champions the big guys. Oh, look how big he is. As, uh, I can't take credit for that. That's Greg's. <laughs> Shout out to Greg. But look at how big he is. He's, like, obsessed with these guys. And you look through WWE history, and it's, it's always the big guy. And, like, that to me was the perfect representation of that. Like, just say it out loud. Yes, that is what it is. He is the mold of that. Like you said, he was, he was just made to do it. Right. And he is uh, and, and oh, I forgot we also see uh, the pictures of John Cena as a kid right oh dude yeah really good point I, I forgot about that too like with the with the belt the as cardboard, a little kid the cardboard belt yeah amazing to see that that was wow yeah and, and Bray is like is this what you thought it was going to be is this what you <laughs> thought it was going to be Is did you think you were going to be uh, essentially giving up your autonomy to become the face of yeah. this company and the mouthpiece for this crazy old billionaire. Yeah, for that to be what it is, yeah. And from there, we move on to uh, WrestleMania 30. And we get the return of, uh, of Swamp Hermit Bray Wyatt. That's right, talking about Sister Abigail. Talking about Sister Abigail and how he was supposed to have his moment, and uh, and Cena stood in his way, and they even show from uh, from WrestleMania 30 him standing in the ring and like eighty thousand people singing a hymn as he like dreamily conducts them. Wow! And how he had all these people in the palm of his hands, and this should have been his crowning moment, and instead. No, nothing happened. Yeah. But this is another moment where I want to take a moment to praise, like, the the editing, the sound design. Like, this is really, these types of moments are really where the true horror influence comes in. The, the jump cuts to those second frames with the distortion are, like, so effective for those images. But then also something as simple as swinging the chair for it to connect with Bray or, like, going to hit him with a punch and just like a ghost in that classic style, he's gone. Like you swing and then just like, he's not there anymore. He's behind you. Like that was, Oh man, like that editing adds so, so much to it. And it's such a good scare. It's such a good effective moment. Yep. Oh, I forgot. Uh, we should talk about this first. The return of Dr. Thugonomics, John Cena. Dude. Yes, please. Let us talk about that. Where that was, <laughs> yes. Where, it didn't. We see that John Cena in the bicycle shorts, the sort of, uh, you know, flat top haircut, just like one catchphrase slap. It's not gonna do it. He's gonna fail. That's not it. Yeah. So, in real life, the only thing that kept John Cena from getting fired was they did a Halloween episode of SmackDown, and John Cena dressed up as Vanilla Ice and did a little rap. As just like a throwaway and, gag. And is that really the reason why he got on that persona? I had no idea that that was where it came from. That is the origin. And it, it's, oh, it snowballed unreal. from there. It snowballed from there. And what Bray Wyatt points out is that as soon as he's able to talk, as soon as he has a voice, the hatefulness just comes out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. make it fun of 
uh, Bradford, like the, the Husky thing comes up immediately and he's making fun of him, which is why I found it amazing that the, the pig comes back when he's beating yeah. on him. Yeah. That was says, just like um, amazing. Something like, uh, unlike Husky Harris, this is weight that I can manage. Exactly. Yes. Dude. I was, oh, and then the reaction of like the Firefly audience, like, Oh, <laughs> <just> right. <laughs> and we see, uh, we see Bray Wyatt just sort of react with disappointment. Like, is this, is this what you wanted to be a bully? Exactly. Is this it? Yeah. That moment of calling him out as a bully. I was like, Whoa, like is, that's, that's quite a, a take that we don't, we don't hear him called out all of this. It's like, it's, it's really wild to see Cena's legacy is everything challenged this way. It's like, it's, I don't, I've never seen something like this about him. Right. And it's, it, you know, for the longest time, if you're paying attention to the shows, you understand that the John Cena character is a bully. You understand that the John Cena character is not a nice guy. He's selfish. He's self-centered. But they don't say it. I guess that's the difference. Right. But we saw before the video package we watched with the homework, WWE's official position is John Cena is a saint. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's he's faultless, he's brave, he's handsome, he's smart, he's charming, he's whatever. Right, he's the greatest champion we've ever had. All of which may be he true. inspired us. Right, but he's also a jerk. Or he can be a jerk. Yeah. And, and the fact that the first time he has the ability to speak, he goes to make fun of, uh, he goes to make fun of Bray's weight. You know, it's... That, right, exactly. He just defaults to cheap shots and, uh, and potty humor and Bray's like it reminded me of Yo Mama honestly I'm yeah that's kidding. exactly what it is and <laughs> and he says to he says to John like is this really what you want this is your last chance and he's like you see him think for a second and then he does a D's nuts joke <laughs> and literally throws a package of nuts at him but, what a thing to do with a chance for redemption. <laughs> right. But that's very John Cena, right? Because every other time in John Cena's whole oh, yeah, on-screen yeah, yeah. life, he's never had to take anything seriously. He's always been able to just brush it off and move past it and everything's fine the next week. So why would this be any different? He just he does what he's always done and that's, you know, that's the nightmare of this. And from there we go into uh, Swamp Hermit Bray and we get the uh, the WrestleMania 30 uh, sort of redux. And yeah, the, like a redo. Right. And they go into the they go into the match again. John Cena has changed into his uh, his t-shirt from 2014. And <laughs> yeah. Bray knocks him out and does this sort of merry little dance with his unconscious body. And then <laughs> and then he goes and acts as though he's going to he's going to you know, pin John, but then he says, "Well, Superman, we both know this won't be enough, but this That's right. will." Right, and then it, this will. The chair returns. Uh, Bray Wyatt. We even and, get flashbacks to that moment, you know. Yep, and we, we get to see just how how close it is, the staging of it. Yes, it's uh, it's like one to one, and Cena has the chair, and this time, Bray drops to his knees, and Cena swings with the chair. And as you said before, Bray misses, or Bray uh, is gone. Cena like misses goes. the swing, and uh, at that point, I had thought it was over. 
But instead, we go in a completely other direction, and the Hulk Hogan metaphor returns. Completely. Yes, the NWO thing. That was amazing with the black and white shot. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I I love the callback, too, because when, uh, when we originally saw Swamp Hermit Bray, he says, I was... I was the color red in a world of black and white. Which is, I think, his his way of saying, first of all, that he was something new and exciting in a world of sort of status quo upon status quo upon status quo. And he that's why he was Mm -hmm. uh, he was a breath of fresh air and he was something that people wanted. And That's right. And we didn't get it. They snuffed out the red and they decided that, you know, black and white was gonna was gonna be good for us. But then we get again the return of uh, the Hogan metaphor. We get Bray in a red, an NWO red T-shirt. Yeah, standing in for Eric Bischoff, and he summons uh, Hollywood Hulk that is Hogan so funny. to the ring. Now, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, if anyone doesn't know, was the the shithead heel 1990s version of Hulk Hogan, and. When Hulk, mm-hmm. Feather, like uh, the blue feather boa, blue and white. Right. And after Hogan's uh, original good guy run petered out in the mid-90s, and it appeared that his his time of relevance was over, he reinvented himself as a villain. And the way he yeah, did that yeah. was sort of just act the way he acted off-screen, on-screen, and just became uh, blatant about the fact that he was here for his own career at the expense of everyone else's career and just wanted to be in the spotlight yeah. and didn't care how overexposed he was. And it was just the Hulk Hogan show and he didn't care and he was honest about it. And we get the idea that that's what's inside John Cena, right? This, uh, yeah. this self-centered yeah. egotist egomania is running wild, right? Yeah. That was what it was. Yeah, when, that was what he said. I was trying to remember. Yes, yep. that's exactly it. Ego, I love that line. Yep, egomania is running wild. And he's like, just admit it, John. Just admit that you are desperate to preserve the spotlight. Just admit that you're only thinking about yourself. The fact that you are... Uh, um, what did he say? You're a great champion, John, but you're not a hero. You're not a hero. That's what he says. Right. And we see John Cena come out in his... In his Hollywood Hulk Hogan t-shirt, which is, right. it's a reference to, uh, in in wrestling fandom, it has been so discussed that there's an acronym for it. It's the CHT, the Cena heel turn, that people have been asking for, <laughs> for years and years and years. Just something new from John Cena, a, yeah. new, a new arc, a new dimension something, to his character. Something. And we never got it. We never got it. But uh-huh. here, here's Bray finding it inside Cena's psyche. It is in there, and he's drawing it out. And here yeah. comes Cena wow. with his shithead swagger in his NWO t-shirt, um, just desperate to hog up the spotlight. And as soon as he gets in the ring, yeah. he, he jumps Bray and is, a tr- is just trying to attack him. But when the smoke clears... Just going right into it. When the smoke clears... He's been attacking the pig puppet. That's right. I loved, loved that moment. And as he's looking down at this sort of beaten pig boy with uh, melted chocolate on his face, and he's 
thinking about... Oh, this is it. Is this... He, you can see in his face, is this all I was able to accomplish? I was able, yeah, to, I was yeah. able to knock around, you know, the weakest, the weakest form of this entity. It's like finding out that the boss you're fighting in a video game has a second life bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's when the fiend appears. And what a moment for the feed to appear, dude. And, oh my god. An incredible scare. So good. It just... It's like the light just pops on, and there he is. And Cena has no counter to this. He has no idea what Nothing. to do. The fiend just... Um, just chokes him out with the mandible claw, slams him down, and pins him, Bray Wyatt appears and counts the three and then, irony of ironies, John Cena disappears because after all, we can't see him and the fiend turns to the screen and invites us to let him in And that's it. Sorry about that. That's Not right. Sure. That's right. So uh, I was I was just saying that the fiend chokes him with the mandible claw, puts yeah. him uh, puts him down on the ground, pins him. Uh, Nice Bray shows up to count the three. <laughs> and then Cena disappears. Uh, fitting, since he always said we couldn't see him. That... <laughs> yes. And yes. I approve of that. <laughs> and then the, the fiend turns to the viewer and says, let me in. Let me in. Oh, what a voice for that, too. What a nice, throaty growl he I, got for like, that. Let me in. And it's oh, like... Oh, was so good. Yeah, because it's also really interesting because usually it's uh, it's Funhouse Bray who says, let him in. That's right. And it's like... I don't know if this is supposed to suggest that the Fiend has a greater degree of control now... Or maybe because yeah. we're not in the funhouse, the fiend is the dominant personality, or whatever the fuck, I don't know. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, uh, we're at WrestleMania, and John Cena's trapped in the Black Lodge or whatever, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and then it's just over, man. That's the thing. That that was an amazing kick to the gut of just, like... And then it ends. like Yeah, and we cut back to oh. Titus O'Neil, who's hosting WrestleMania, and he's just like... I don't know. <laughs> totally stunned. No idea how to react. Like, just... <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. Who could blame him? That's... I've never seen a single... I mean, this is... I, what can I say? I mean, like... Dude. Bray, I mean, he killed it, man. This is... This is truly, like, the apex. This is the thing that... I mean, it seems he was meant to do. I mean, he really 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 delivered and this to me seems like the full complete realization of the character of 
the revamped Ray and the Firefly Club and freaking the Fiend. I mean, it just feels like it all fell into place in this absolutely stunning way. I just, ugh, oh my god, it really worked on me, man. Yeah. It really, really worked. And what a fitting end if this is indeed the end for for John Cena. And what a way to get written out of of wrestling if he's really going to be a movie star full time. What a way to yeah. get written off the show. He was eaten by a shadow clown. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to go. I definitely think that's a great way to go. Like yeah. that's Yeah, I mean there's I... there's a retirement match, you know, there's whatever, there's a loser leave town match. This is the first time I've ever seen somebody have their last match and at the end of it been sucked into a hell dimension and eaten by a shadow clown. That's right. Is this the wrestling equivalent of being banned to the shadow realm, dude? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's been sent to the cornfield, right? It's just exactly, like... Exactly, yes. <laughs> Damn. Wow. I, I, really hope yeah. they, I really hope they stick with this. And whenever they induct John Cena into the WWE Hall of Fame, they just pretend like they have to do it posthumously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or they, or they have, uh, they have, they do like a little thing where they have Bray Wyatt sort of like open up a closet in the, in the the fun house and have John Cena pop out and be like, oh, hi. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. Complete committing. That would be, oh, chef kiss. I love that after all the times that John Cena got away with not changing and returning to the status quo and leaving his opponent yeah looking worse than when they started his character makes up for that by undergoing the most thorough deconstruction i've ever seen in just about any fiction yeah in 20 minutes like just completely like, an entire legacy like in 20 minutes yeah. and i mean in- it really is yeah an entire an entire life. They literally show pictures of him as a little kid, up through his debut, up through his ascendancy, up through his legacy period, and all of that just gutted. It's just like Man. an enormous yeah, but an asterisk to all of the years that they've spent trumpeting John Cena as the be all end all company man. Yeah, and it's so. It's so interesting to me that John Cena would consent to have this done to him, this kind of character assassination writ large on pay-per-view. Well, after all these years of not not giving other folks the rub, like you said earlier, for it not to lead to this, you know, big jump in their careers, like, I think to finally follow through on it, what a way to do that i mean not even just from a deconstruction standpoint but like what this says for bray for the fiend for that character for the now for now what will become the legacy of bray and of that character like what a way to do that like what a way to give a lot of shine a lot of attention to to him i mean like that in and of itself as well to me is like a really like what a cool way to do it like yes didn't do it for many years, but to finally follow through on that, what a way to do it. And, like, and, uh, sheesh. I would say that nobody, I mean, and this is, this match is like four days old. Let's say that. So yeah, I don't know yeah. how, I don't know how all this is going to shake out or how all this is going to play out in the long term. But just knee jerk reaction, I can't imagine a way 
that a wrestler could be put over any stronger than this. Like the classic, uh, yeah. the classic example of a wrestler passing the torch is Hulk Hogan defeating Andre the Giant at WrestleMania three. And Andre had been undefeated for fifteen years and the biggest star in the world. And he yep. he lost one two three in the ring to Hulk Hogan, and that was the start of Hulk Hogan's you know real uh, era of undefeatedness, right? That's right. That's that, right. And you get the iconic shot of uh, Andre over the shoulders of Hulk and just like it's the, you get this iconic image to go with it. It just, yeah, kickstarts right. a, a whole career right there. Right. And that's the sort of, that's the gold standard of passing the torch. And that pales in comparison to this. I've never seen. Oh anything, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I've never seen anything as complete and total, uh, devastation of a beloved character yeah for real i mean you know it's one thing too for like for cena to say like yes i'm going to agree to do this but even who like was was vince mcmahon asleep like what (laughs) the fuck like how did this happen like that is really like wow wow that part of it impresses me too supposedly supposedly and this is hearsay but supposedly Vince was so busy trying to make sure that WrestleMania happened at all that Bray Wyatt and John <laughs> Cena basically got to be unsupervised. Like, they got a film crew to put together this match without Holy a ton of shit. oversight from Vince. I believe it. I honestly, I really, really do believe that because this is so much more... This is everything that I know that so many fans have been begging for not even in the arc of just cena but of, of of bray and for it to finally happen and to happen this way i mean it's astonishing because it's just like he just he, he always feels like a figure that's standing in the way of any kind of successful or experimental like anything like that and this is like so if for, for him to be standing in the way for so long and then for the floodgates to just open like this with something so out there i mean whew, yep like that's like I said before, John Cena is the status quo in jean shorts, right? And that's right. He had to be disposed of for things to change. And the fact that this has been such a success probably means that we're going to get more things like this, more cinematic pro wrestling like this. And that's a huge sea change. I hope so. Um, I really, really hope so because it was amazing. You know, the the night before this, night one of WrestleMania, they had something kind of like this. Not exactly. It was the Boneyard match, the Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And okay. It was It was definitely, it was more of a choreographed fight scene than this okay. was. It was Undertaker. It, was, it reminded me a lot of an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Just a lot of Undertaker dragging a guy around a graveyard going like, oh, you're in trouble now, boy, and like punching him and and throwing him into tombstones and whatever. I definitely get the idea. Okay, yeah, I I think I see what you mean. (laughs) And AJ Styles, like as soon as he gets an advantage, like, like, hey, what's what's going on? What's going on, big man? Huh? What's going on, big man? Huh? Thought you were going to take me out. Huh? Thought you were the Undertaker. Huh? You're dead man? Huh? And it was like a, a whole, you know, whatever. It was fun. It was a really cornball fun pro wrestling thing but like we said before with the undertaker 
it's very much a spooky guy in a real recognizable world. That's right, in the world of wrestling. Right, and people really were into the uh, the Boneyard match on night one of WrestleMania. WrestleMania was two nights this year. Oh, right, right. So uh, night one was the Boneyard match, and night two was the Firefly Funhouse match, which is also a cinematic take on a pro wrestling match, but a completely different direction. Right, right. And what this made me wish for more than anything else, <laughs> can we get that Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker Wizards Duel movie? Oh, please, please. <laughs> Somebody needs to make it happen. Please, after seeing this, somebody needs to make it happen. Because Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker did happen. It happened at WrestleMania 31. Oh, I think I might have heard a little bit about this. And Bray Wyatt, after having lost to John Cena, also lost to The Undertaker. Yeah, I heard... I Okay, yeah, I definitely heard about that. Yeah. And it was, it was really shitty. Like, first of all, it was a West Coast show. Uh. And... That meant that by the time the show was halfway over, the sun was still out. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, imagine The Undertaker trying to be all spooky at, like, 6 p.m. Yeah, with the sun rising. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> like, so, they, so what they did was Undertaker's trying to do his slow, spooky walk, but it's like 6 p.m. in California in April, so the sun is bright. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's, <laughs> and so what they did was they just put purple lights on him, but the sun was still out, so he just looked pink. <laughs> so he's just like a big old goth hot dog walking out to the ring. And they had Bray Wyatt come out with an army of scarecrows, but again, it's like during the day. Yeah, so, so it's all very like, what? Yeah, like, scarecrows at night? Spooky. Scarecrows during the day? Wizard of Oz. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, not only did Bray Wyatt and Undertaker not get to be spooky... Uh, Bray Wyatt had also broken his foot earlier in the day, so the match kind of sucked. He was oh man, he was working on one leg, and That's Undertaker wound up winning. So, I think if Bray Wyatt is doing a tour, you know, a redemption tour of all of the guys he should have beaten, yeah, he's got to take on the Undertaker. I think that that's true. I think that's true. It even makes sense chronologically. I mean, from WrestleMania 30 to 31, like, what an interesting follow-up that would be. Right, and there's a lot of speculation that The Undertaker uh, might be retired after this year's match because, you know, The Undertaker was another guy like like John Cena who got better with age. He, yeah. Uh, he got better and better and better, and then he seemed to around... It was actually at WrestleMania 30. He got concussed during his match with Brock Lesnar and really shit the bed. It was not a good match. And then it seemed like he lost a lot of confidence. Oh, bummer. And he kind of, they kept trotting him out, but it was like, all right, this is kind of embarrassing. Like, the poor guy is retired. He's, like, in his 50s. Like, just, he's hurting his legacy by continuing to come out for diminishing returns. Yeah, after a certain point, you really have to know when to... Yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I totally agree. And then they, he said he was retired one more time, and they just kept offering him more money. They brought him to Saudi Arabia to have him wrestle Goldberg, and 
Goldberg nearly killed them both. What? What? Goldberg Goldberg concussed himself on the way to the ring and then <laughs> dropped the Undertaker on his head accidentally. It's a not a good match. Yo, what is going on with Goldberg in Saudi Arabia? This is just not... I, I, not a good combo in no, any way. No, it's a bad combination. It's uh, it's the opposite of a peanut butter cup. It's two bad tastes that taste bad together. Yeah. So Billy Gold nearly... Mint and ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> so Taker nearly kills himself and The Undertaker. And it's like... The Undertaker just wanted, I think, to have a match where he looks good on the way out. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just didn't want people's lasting memory of him to be a frail old man. Oh, totally. So they came up with this. You know, AJ Styles is, in a lot of ways, the closest thing we have to a Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart type. Like, a real, real top-notch technician in the ring can make anybody look like a million dollars. So, if you want somebody to make you look good, AJ Styles is the guy to go to. So, you have The Undertaker, you have AJ Styles, and you have them, you know, not exposed. Not having to have a 20-minute straight live stage combat exhibition. You know, it's it's filmed, it's edited, so you can sort of, you can make The Undertaker, you can remind people why The Undertaker was cool and intimidating. That, that totally makes sense to me, yeah. It's just like... Well, I said in an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, it's like, you can make Chuck Norris look like a cool, tough guy, but if you put Chuck Norris in a UFC ring today, he's gonna die. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's like, so I think The Undertaker might want to be done, because he finally got to have a match that made him look really good and made his legacy look better than it did when he entered into the match, but... I would love to see uh, a definitive torch passing between Undertaker and The Fiend. I think we need it. I think we deserve it. I think Bray Wyatt deserves it. I agree with you. I very much agree with you on all counts. I think he's proven that he could do it, too, in a satisfying way. I, I really think that that would be... I hope that they follow through. I mean, from what I have heard, the feedback to this match has been positive i've heard a lot of people gushing over it so i hope that that message follows through and that yeah that would be the absolute best next step that they could do at some point that would be so great i just don't know that would seem to be what you would have to do right it's where else does the fiend go from here that's right you know he's where does he yeah I mean, I think I think personally he should drag Goldberg to hell, but... <laughs> yeah, please, please. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at, uh, at, uh, at WrestleMania, at the end of night one, Goldberg lost the title that he won from Bray Wyatt in about, oh. in about a minute and a half to Braun Strowman, who was once a member of the Wyatt family. So, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, I guess. Dust, I suppose so. So it goes. That's... <laughs> Very wow, a lot of a lot happening on WrestleMania night. Yeah, quite a lot happening. Yeah, WrestleMania was fucking wild, buck wild this year. Woo! But yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see where the fiend goes from here, to see where 
John Cena goes from here, to see where The Undertaker goes from here, and to see, you know, where cinematic wrestling goes from here. Because there have been people doing it, off and on, around the world, for a couple of years now. Hmm. Matt Hardy pioneered it. Um, oh, okay. He did a he did this sort of tongue in cheek thing called the ultimate deletion, where he and Jeff Hardy like shot fireworks at each other in their backyard. And I'm not making <laughs> it sound good, but it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I believe it. Those guys can pull off a lot. But it, Matt Hardy was sort of this this tongue in cheek. Uh, He's actually uh, in in AEW right now, having a feud with Chris Jericho over drones. Whoa! What? <laughs> Matt Hardy has a drone called Vanguard One that he sends to spy on his enemies. But Chris Jericho tried to uh, tried to convince the drone to join his team by giving it like a baby sized T shirt. <laughs> Just having a normal one over at AEW. Yeah. Just having a, a real normal one. Oh, so good. Chris Jericho's in a hot tub in jeans. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's talking about how, how excited he is to offer Vanguard One membership in the inner circle. And the drone shows up. And there's a little hook on the bottom of it. And Jericho has a t-shirt on a tiny little, uh, a tiny little clothes hanger. Oh my god. And he hangs it on the little hook. <laughs> the drone flies away and Jericho's all mad, so he goes, Release the hounds! And his actual dogs run out of the backyard chasing oh, it. And it's like a Pomeranian and a, and a Labradoodle. <laughs> so. Oh god. So I think actually, this, given that we can't fill arenas right now. Now is the time for cinematic wrestling to thrive. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that this definitely shows just exactly how much can be accomplished in this, you know, still largely unexplored kind of new format. I think that there is so much that can be done that is creative, uh, you know, and that really revolves more strongly around character. You know, I think that that's like... That's a very exciting part of it. So, yeah, I, I just like you, I, I think that it's an exciting time to start really exploring this, especially seeing that, you know, just how high the highs can be. Very right. high indeed. We, we have a few different, you know, there's different directions. Could we, we could do something comic like Jeff, like a Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho are doing. We can do something that's extremely uh, um, psychological like we did right. here with, with Bray Wyatt and John Cena, or we could do something that's like fucking cornball Mortal Kombat bullshit like we did with The Undertaker. And I right. think... <laughs> and personally, I think the first Mortal Kombat movie is one of the most entertaining movies ever made, so I, I would love to see that explored. I, I, I really want to see... Oh, I agree. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I, I want to see that. Give me, give me, Give me The Fiend versus Christopher Lambert. Give me that. Oh, please, please, yes, that would be fantastic. Give me Christopher Lambert trying to cut off the fiend's head with a katana. <laughs> with a... Yeah, I think that's, you know, after if they do The Undertaker, that's the next next step. That's <laughs> <laughs> The Undertaker, from The Undertaker to The Highlander, I guess. It's got to be, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but man, I... I would love to see, 
I'm sure you've seen uh, the uh, the Vincent Price um, version of the Raven, right? Oh God, yes, yes. The Wizards duel at the end of that, where they're just Dude. sitting at opposite ends of the dining room table, like uh, throwing fireballs and uh, like tidal waves at each other. Yeah, <laughs> just one of those between Undertaker and and the, and fiend, the fiend. Yes. <laughs> Honestly. Did you ever play uh, for the Super Nintendo WWF Arcade? I, yeah, no, I think I have played it, yeah. Where it's, it's like I was saying, Mortal Kombat, it's like, uh, it's like motion cap um, yes, sprites. Yes. And Those it's like, early mo-caps, yeah. Yeah, and it's like Undertaker uh, kamehameha ghosts at you. <laughs> and It's time to bring it back. Yes, bring it back. <laughs> WrestleMania Arcade Edition. That's what we need. That is absolutely what we need. I want Bray Wyatt pulling out, like, I want a little uh, 16-bit Bray Wyatt. I want him pulling the head off of a rabbit puppet and throwing it like a grenade. Give it to me. (laughs) Make it happen. I think we have the technology. It's time. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) God damn. (sighs) Do you... All right. Do you have any other thoughts about uh, the Firefly Funhouse match or Bray Wyatt or John Cena or The Undertaker or Mortal Kombat or Christopher Lambert? <laughs> well, I guess what I'll say is, you know, like I'm I'm happy for Bray. I really am. You know, after walking this long road and like it, it didn't didn't work out at WrestleMania 30 and he's kind of been looking to find his thing. The fact that, you know, I, I've been excited to see people responding to The Fiend, but this is like the ultimate realization of it. And I couldn't be happy with where he took it and i just i am very excited for him i'm happy for him you know i think that he should definitely just feel this this success at this moment and I, i'm just couldn't be more excited to see where his creativity takes us next i i agree with you wholeheartedly i've always been a bray wyatt fan i, I don't want to say always i was not into husky harris but ever since i saw <laughs> fair. ever since i saw the creativity that was uh sort of manifest in the the swamp guy Bray Wyatt I've always been uh, I've always been a fan and I've always thought he deserved better one thing that I really hope that we get to see is something that we haven't seen yet really and that's Bray Wyatt as a heroic character or at least as oh, her- yeah as heroic as uh as a, a demonic shadow clown can be, but you know the Undertaker was a uh, was a good guy for many many years. Kane was a good guy for many many years. That's right. Um, and I I think that he has a you know the amount of support that he managed to garner as a as a swamp dwelling cult leader, and again as a demonic shadow clown makes me think that he has the potential to be a really phenomenal heroic character. But of course that means that there's got to be somebody for him to face. Good point. Undertaker had his cane. Who's going to be the fiends cane. Who's to say, I look forward to finding that out as well, because I mean, maybe this is who knows what, like, who else this kind of thing could inspire, you know, like it could really kind of bring a whole lot of new people out of the woodwork, you know, I mean, just as I'm sure Bray was 
influenced by Undertaker to some extent and that whole thing. You know, I'm sure that maybe folks are going to be influenced by him. I am looking forward to seeing them come into the fray. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a brave new world, a brave new it's world. Certainly. <laughs> it is a brave new world. Well, there's your episode title. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh boy. All right. Well, Dan, thank you for joining me. Matt, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And uh, as uh, as always, I want to thank Corinne Dodenhoff for my logo. I want to thank the Novas for the use of my theme song, The Crusher. And I would like to remind all of you fine folks to follow me on Twitter at IHWpod and follow me on Instagram as if I post anything anymore at I Hate Wrestling. And did, Dan, do you remember how we uh, how we close things out here on the show? Uh, remind me. I, uh, I, a- I I ask you if you were going to be uh, a wrestler, what would your character be? Oh, right, right, right. Okay, I think I do have a better. I have a better answer for this. Okay. So, I think that what I would be is I think I would be like a like a parody of like the naked cowboy in Times Square. <laughs> Okay. But, but like beer belly version, like naked cowboy, <laughs> like no, we, like we're not gonna let you in Times Square anymore, man. You showed up a little too many times, like just a bit too disheveled. You're like not waxing your body anymore. Your back is very hairy. Like it's you know, like <laughs> what's going on here, man? And then coming in there, just like trying to be just like yeah, people used to love me, like guitar, the cowboy hat, everything, like. I think that's it. I think that's that's my wrestling character I was destined to be. <laughs> the sad naked cowboy. The sad naked cowboy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh phenomenal. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, destined to yeah. My, my spiel has been so long since I've recorded one of these. I'll add one later. Um, <laughs> okay, that works. Yeah.